Welcome back to The Common Christian Diet. I'm Paige, and today I'm going to talk about finding workout partners. If you're familiar with The Common Christian Diet, then you already know the drill. I'm going to tell stories about how I got healthy, both physically and spiritually. Today's story is about the people in our lives that can either help us or, in some cases, maybe deter us from reaching our goals. Now, if you're not familiar with the podcast, then I always recommend you go back and start with episode one, because this podcast really plays more like an audiobook, and right now, this would be like chapter six. Before I begin, let me say thank you to Debbie Forrest for letting me use her music. That was her song called Born Bad. While I was still living in Michigan back in my 20s, I took a lot of fitness classes. One of my favorites was my 5.30 a.m. step class. That might sound crazy to anyone who struggles to form a sentence before noon, but this class was amazing. I don't know if I got lucky or if it's the norm for steppers, but this class was full of morning people. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I walked into a room of people who were awake, smiling, and actually happy to be there. I can't remember most of their names, but I remember the class was about much more than stepping. The guy next to me on my left was an expert in glass blowing. The lady in the front right corner was in her 50s and came to class before watching her grandkids. Other people talked about where they worked or how many kids they had, and we all knew which participants would hoot and holler when their favorite song came on. My workout partners made this class fun, and we all got our exercise out of the way before starting our day. I originally was not someone who enjoyed morning exercise. I joined the group because I was training to become a fitness instructor and step class was my weak point. So I began setting my alarm at 4.45 a.m. and dragging myself to the gym to get a little more experience stepping before my certification test. I didn't really expect to like it, but their positive attitudes rubbed off on me and soon I was looking forward to getting out of bed ridiculously early. The instructor, Katrina, knew about my certification and she wanted to help. On several occasions, she'd stop me after class to spend a few minutes sharing tips like using the microphone headset, warm-up variations, and picking the right music for different routines. Then one Monday, at the end of class, she walked over to my step while everyone was cooling down and stretching and handed me a piece of paper. She said, Those moves I just taught? I nodded. I've written them all down for you. Go home and practice. On Wednesday, it's your turn to teach it. If it had been left up to me, I might never have become a step instructor. I was happy being in the third row just following the leader. As a student, I didn't have to plan anything or worry about the music, and honestly, if I slept in one morning, it would not impact the rest of the students. Becoming an instructor came with responsibilities and potential embarrassment. Would I forget all the moves? What if the music was too loud or or too quiet? Or maybe I'd trip over the step. Katrina not only knew I was ready, but she also knew the class environment would be safe and friendly for a first-time instructor. And if things went badly, she'd be right there in the front row to help out. But my first class went well because she prepared both me and the rest of her students. Katrina was an encourager, someone who helped me rise to a new level. She knew my fears and helped me face them. It also helped that she was invested in my success because she wanted to cut back on her own hours teaching and she was hoping I would take over the Wednesday morning class, which I did, and I loved it. 
having supportive workout partners was also encouraging because they allowed me to make mistakes. They watched me go from someone who didn't know my way around a step to the person wearing the microphone. They didn't expect perfection. There were times when my mouth called left and my body went right, but everyone just kept moving until we fell back in step with each other. I loved teaching group exercise, and I may never have tried it without the right people supporting me. I have lots of examples where having a partner or being part of a certain group helped me succeed and reach new goals. Everything from study groups in college, which were essential before exams, to friends encouraging me to compete in a Muay Thai kickboxing match, which I lost, but I think I'll save that story for another episode. My point is that when something is really challenging or outside our comfort zone, it often takes support and encouragement to get started and to keep moving. All of my athletic accomplishments included a partner or a group. I trained with a running club for my first marathon, a fitness partner competed with me in my bodybuilding competition, and a friend once volunteered to walk 39 miles with me raising money for breast cancer awareness. Oh, and I would never have stepped into that boxing ring if there weren't other women training alongside me for their first fight. But I can also think about times in my life when people around me had the potential to set me back from meeting my goals. Not everyone agreed with my choice of colleges, and some thought chemical engineering would be too hard of a degree. Some people thought my fitness goals were silly and a waste of time, and others responded with comments like, If you see me running, better find out what's chasing me. Not all my friends had to understand my goals, but if something was going to be challenging, it was important to have at least one encourager helping me keep my eye on the prize. Spiritually, I grew up without any goals. I started going to church when I was in college because of this guy named Brad. We dated most of freshman year, and it was important to him that we go to church, so we did. I liked church enough that even after we broke up, I kept going and just found new people to sit with. But even though I was listening to a sermon each week and was surrounded by people singing and praying together, I did not have spiritual workout partners. No one was encouraging me to go deeper in my faith. I didn't have a mentor showing me what a relationship with Jesus Christ could look like. And I don't remember anyone in college carrying a Bible in their backpack or sharing scripture with me. I really thought church on Sunday was all there was, so I never had any goals to do more or learn more. I enjoyed church, but since my only goal was to sit in the pew once a week and listen, I wasn't really growing as a Christian. I did get invited to a Bible study one time in my senior year of college, and I laughed at the idea. I imagined a group of people sitting around reading to each other, and it sounded ridiculous. At that time, I didn't understand the power of God's Word. I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was, and I definitely didn't see the point of a study group unless there was a test coming up. The truth is, I wish I would have said yes. Maybe I would have learned that there was more to being a Christian than a Sunday sermon. Maybe it would have cleared up some of my confusion about God and answered some of my questions. Maybe I would have met someone who was really in love with Jesus who could inspire me to fall in love with him too. But I continued to simply go to church and call myself a Christian for about 15 years before I knew there was supposed to be more. In my mid-30s, I finally realized something was missing and I started seeking God in a very desperate way. It wasn't really a goal per se, but my life was such a mess that after I tried over and over again to fix things myself, I decided it was time to try things God's way. 
I began praying for God to show me what to do next, and little by little, God started rearranging things in my life. I found myself in a new church where they emphasized reading the Bible. I went to the bookstore and bought a brand new Bible that would fit in my purse so I could carry it around with me. And I started reading it, even though I didn't understand very much of it. God also began rearranging the people I was spending time with. In the moment, I had a hard time understanding what was happening. But looking back, I can clearly see God moving me away from certain people that I used to spend a lot of time with. He also began adding new mentors to my life. God cared about my spiritual workout partners, and he wanted me to be around people who would point me to him. When I started turning my life over to God, I thought things would start getting easier. After all, I was in the mess I was in because of all the bad decisions I made. So I figured, now that I was trying to make better decisions, I should be getting better results. But the reality was, God didn't just go to work on my problems. He went to work on me. And that was hard. I wanted him to just start fixing the big issues in my life, like helping me be a better mother, finding me a husband, and maybe a new job. But God started going after things I wasn't even paying attention to, like my sin, my pride, and my priorities. Now, before I tell this next story, I want to emphasize that the changes God needed to make in my life were unique to me and my situation. This isn't a story of how God deals with his people. It's just how he dealt with me. At one point, when I felt stuck and discouraged, I met with the pastor of my new church to get his advice on how I could learn to follow God. And he told me two things. For me to get involved with other Christians and ask people to pray for me. This story is called, When it comes to God's portion, I don't want to be a picky eater. One of the big misconceptions about Christianity is that once someone accepts Christ as their savior, life becomes perfect. God protects all his followers from the bad guys and only those people have problems. In reality, God allows his children to experience life, including the full spectrum of emotions from sorrow to joy. Some of those experiences are meant to be lessons and hard-headed, stubborn people like me can be slow to learn. Seriously, God? Give up my friends? That can't be what you said. Life as a single mother was lonely. Family lived across the country. My son hadn't known a father figure for nearly half his life, and I was terrible at dating. So my friends became very important to both me and my son. My friends and I all had boys around the same age and even took family vacations together. The men played football with the kids while the women talked about juggling work and motherhood. We watched each other's kids and helped each other out like real friends do. Once, the diva of the group even spent her lunch break shoe shopping for me because I told her I didn't have time to go. She surprised me that evening by bringing eight pairs of shoes to my house, and the next day she returned the ones I didn't want to keep. It was friendship like I had never known before. I didn't understand God's request to separate myself from people I enjoyed spending time with. He knows how socially awkward I am. How will I ever find other friends? But God knew my future, and the more I prayed, the more I knew he wasn't going to change his mind. The instructions kept printing themselves in my mind, but I still dreaded the outcome. I didn't understand why. I didn't know how my son would react. Reluctantly, I began to distance myself from the very people that always made me feel welcome in their homes. 
as I continued to turn down invitations, eventually the invitations stopped coming. No more group dinners, birthday parties, or late night conversations. No one to talk to at all. Now I knew lonely like I had never met her before. I wasn't surprised when no one invited us for Thanksgiving dinner, but being able to predict it didn't make it hurt any less. I cried when my son wasn't looking and prayed I could give him more. In a single year, we transitioned from enjoying a typical potluck feast in a house full of people to a small TV tray-style turkey meal made for two. I tried to make the day special by driving downtown for the Thanksgiving parade, which my son said was okay. I took a mental note that it was probably not worth fighting Houston traffic for just okay. To an eight-year-old, it was just a Thursday with no school. But to me, it was a harsh reminder that he needed more in his life than a do-it-all mom. And I needed more, too. Then, a few weeks later, just like a country song, our dog ran away. Sam had a habit of escaping. The fence was near its end of life, and our dog easily sniffed out the weakest boards. He was arrested a couple of months earlier and thrown in canine jail. The $100 fine and humiliation of appearing in court on behalf of my Houdini hound was still fresh in my mind when he ran off again. Naturally, it was on a day when I barely made it out of work in time and was rushing to get my son to baseball practice. In our hurriedness, we held the front door open a split second too long. At the smell of freedom, Sam transformed into a greyhound and disappeared around the corner. All the small anxieties of my day glued themselves together into a huge ball of emotion. I was on the edge of a full-blown adult temper tantrum. I dropped my son at practice and then headed home to search the neighborhood. While driving, I let all the frustration go. I literally screamed at God. I need help! I can't do this anymore! I'm tired. I'm lonely. I'm trying to do the right thing. Why aren't you helping me? I yelled the whole way home and did not care if people in the other cars heard me. I was desperate. It wasn't really about the dog, although he wasn't helping matters any. I simply needed help but didn't know how to ask for it. I was trying to do too much on my own, but without my friends, I had no one to help me. I was not super mom. I was normal, plain Jane, needs a break, tired, frustrated, and lonely mom. I was calming down as I entered the subdivision. God had a little pity on me and led me directly to my dog, who, luckily, had not been arrested this time. But the frustrations were far from over. My outburst forced me to confront how low I really was. I eventually grew to understand why God had separated me from my friends. Changes were coming in my life, and spending that time alone was part of the preparation. When I was lonely, I opened my Bible and spent time in prayer. I didn't always understand what I was reading, but I knew I had to start somewhere. Later, my church announced new Bible study groups were forming and encouraged everyone who wasn't already part of a group to get involved. Before even opening the pamphlet, I decided that with work and baseball and just trying to make sure we didn't run out of milk each week, I did not have time to join anything new. But I studied the list anyway and did notice a small Wednesday night group that fit my schedule. There was also a separate function for my son at the same time, which meant no need for a babysitter. That was promising, I guess. I read a little further and learned the group was going to be hosted by a married couple. 
The description didn't specify the group would be couples only, but I naturally assumed I would be a misfit. The thoughts in my mind began to war with each other. Part of me was curious about joining a small group, and part of me was busy building a wall of excuses. I continued reading. The group would meet at someone's house neighboring the church, and members would take turns providing the meal. Huge red flag. I'm a terrible cook. It was one thing to embarrass myself as the only divorcee. Did I also have to demonstrate I could barely boil water? I tossed the pamphlet down and decided, without meeting a single member of the group, that it would be full of churchy judgment and I was not going to be a part of it. My pastor's voice played softly in the background of my mind. Get involved and ask people to pray for you. Get involved and ask people to pray for you. Yeah, yeah, God, I got this. But did I? It would be nice to have more Christians in my life. It's possible another single person would join, and I could always order takeout when it was my turn to provide dinner. I recognized the excuses for what and who they were. I was still intimidated by the fact that I didn't know my Bible very well, and I wasn't sure I would be able to contribute much to the conversation, but it was time to get involved. I wanted to learn more about God and find people to grow with me. I needed to put away my pride, let someone know I was struggling, and ask them to pray for me. I picked up the pamphlet and located the contact information. Then I held my breath, dialed the number, and RSVP'd for one. So I hope that story doesn't discourage anyone from following God. Yes, he separated me from my friends, and I was very lonely for a while. But God knew what he was doing, and I'll just go ahead and tell you that the next story will have a much happier ending. Turning my life over to God wasn't just about asking him to fix my problems. It's about following Jesus and being obedient to him, even if it means doing things we don't want to do. I had a lot of sin in my life that God needed to address, and he used that time that I was alone to reveal things to me. But God didn't intend for me to remain alone. It was important to my spiritual growth that I spend time with other Christians, not just sitting quietly in the pews, but actively talking about my faith, my struggles, and our Savior. I was intimidated to join a Bible study group because, well, I really didn't know much about the Bible. I didn't feel like I was going to be able to participate or add anything to the discussion, but that just wasn't true. The Bible is such a large, fascinating collection of stories that it applies to everyone at every level in their faith. I didn't need to already know my Bible to join a group. I just needed a good group of people to learn with. When I trusted God, he led me to the perfect team of Bible workout partners. We had discussions about Job and the prodigal son. We talked about sermons and how to apply the messages to our lives. One week, we took turns sharing our testimonies on how we came to Jesus, but we were also able to share our questions and topics we were struggling with. I personally shared how I felt God might be punishing me, and others were able to share a completely different perspective with me that I hadn't considered before. Our differences in experiences and perspectives were important to better understand who God is and to see Him more clearly. Having the right workout partners is very important to our spiritual growth, but sometimes we shy away from Christians because they're hypocrites, self-righteous, and judgmental. And some of that negative perception is well-earned, but there are also plenty of people out there who just want to share the love of Christ. 
In the fitness world, there are people who inspire us to live healthier lives. There are people who encourage us by walking with us at lunch, helping us pick out new workout shoes or sharing exercise tips. Then there are also those we would never dare talk to about dieting or exercise because they either start smothering us with talk of smoothies and the latest keto cookie recipe, or they push us to start some crazy new exercise routine that's the latest fad. Thank you, but that pole dancing class is all you. They mean well, but they can actually push us away from the goal. It's the same thing with Christians. Some will judge, others might smother a bit, but the encouragers and mentors are out there too. God brought people in my life who inspire me to go deeper in my faith. If I have questions, I have people to ask. If I want to set a new spiritual goal in my life, I have partners who will walk side by side with me. There was never anything wrong with the sermons I listened to in college, but I wasn't growing spiritually because I wasn't applying anything to my life. It was like watching a cooking show on TV and then never going into the kitchen. But when I finally got with the right workout partners, I began walking towards Jesus in a way I would never have known otherwise. The Bible verse for this episode is from 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Some of us might feel intimidated to join a Bible study group if we have never read our Bible. But I gotta be honest, the Bible itself is intimidating. It's like this double-edged sword. I don't want to join a group because I don't know what the book is about, but I don't want to read the book because I probably still won't know what it's about. So the next episode is going to give some high-level overviews of the Bible and some helpful hints on getting started. That episode will be called The Recipe Book. Thanks for listening. I'm Paige, and this is The Common Christian Diet. Every day